Welcome to the Best Teacher Podcast. I am your host, Grant Wooten. I've been an English language and literature teacher for 10 years and counting. In my experience, the best resource we have as teachers is by far each other. And in that spirit, the Best Teacher Podcast interviews everyday teachers from around the globe doing amazing, innovative things in their classrooms. In every episode, you'll meet incredible educators, hear their best stories, gain practical wisdom and useful resources you'll love, and strategies that can transform your students learning experience. I hope you enjoy the show. Today on the show, I speak with Shveta Kapoor, a teacher and teacher trainer in India with over 17 years of experience. It is obvious from this conversation just how important Shveta's individual students are to her, and we talk a lot about how to lead with empathy, patience, and encouragement in the classroom. Unfortunately, there is a bit of audio distortion in this episode due to network issues on our call, but we've worked hard to minimize this, and we hope you give this awesome conversation a listen regardless. Here is episode nine with Shveta Kapoor. Hi, Shveta. So nice to have you on the show. Yeah. Hi, Grant. My pleasure as well. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I remember when we first connected, um, and then our first conversation was so wonderful. I just said, I've got to have Shveta on the show so we can share some of her wisdom and experience as a teacher with the world. Um, it's so nice to have people from all over the world on the show. So I'm really glad you're our first teacher in India. I hope you won't be our last. Um, but go ahead and t- tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are now, how long you've been teaching, and how you got into the profession. Uh, okay, yeah. So definitely, it's just the beginning, as you said it. About me, I would say that I belong to a family of teachers, like I shared with you. But there was something that I always wanted to, you know, do differently. But that differently was never defined. And neither was occurring to me in what sense can it be. Um, so it's interesting that um, initially my idea was not really to get into the education space because somewhere uh, in my scheme of things it was there if not anything I still can be a teacher like my mother is you know so like all the children go through those confusions I've had this kind of um, upbringing as well but uh, it was after pursuing my uh, master's in business administration and a little work in the corporate sector around you know growing up looking what the field looks like how might you know this sort of career help me not help me so while I was figuring out there was a sense of um, you know satisfaction that I really was looking for I mean and then I went back to my first option which was being a mother like my teacher so sorry being a teacher like my mother and I thought that why not to try why not to do things differently I mean, that's how it all started. And I started off my teaching, my old qualifications again as a teacher from B.Ed., M.Ed. Like in our country, we have that path and trajectory. If you have to teach in a school, you've got to have some essential educational qualifications. And I did that. And I believe that um, since I started, so around it's been around 17 years, actively wow. I've been into classrooms and have had worked with different set of students across different educational boards. I mean, national, international. And I understand that it has been a journey of diverse, uh, you know, experience and sort of learning opportunities. So it's it has been, um, I would say, an utmost privilege to be with learners and across 
different uh, boards, I've realized that the teacher-learner connect is the most, you know, spontaneous, mm. uh, very powerful. And it is mutually, um, I mean, I, I fell short of, fall short of words sometimes to define it, but it's, it's just something which was maybe missing in my journey when I was looking for, which was joy of mm. being together, joy of learning together. I think that is very special to me. You've mentioned that you you, you taught for 17 years and across many different mm-hmm. uh, areas, many different places, I would imagine. Where has most of your time been as far as like the age range and um, and like the level of students that you've taught? Has it been all the way from okay. elementary to secondary or have you had a specific focus? I started as a as a mother teacher uh, in grade four, mm-hmm. right? So we may say that the age group comes to be around eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds or something, and up till grade 12. Oh, and wow. even I've had this little stint, uh, yeah, a little stint at the college level, bachelor's level as well, but that was for a very brief time. But school education, so if from that to 16, from eight years to say 17 years across the domains. And did you say, you said you you were um, a homeroom teacher? Is that the term mm-hmm. you used? Or did you say mother uh, teacher? Is that is that a term that's yeah. used in, in, in India or did I mishear that? No, no, we do. So in a CBSE setup, when I started, it was a progressive CBSE school as we would call it so there was a concept of a mother teacher which is very much parallel like ib has homeroom teacher tutor you call it homeroom teacher it's the same way so i was the one who would have maximum time in the classroom with my learners and when i went to when i joined ib then i was there as a homeroom tutor from fourth grade to the time they graduated you were the same students or did it change yes in in my first school that i was working I think I was there for around, say, 10 years. Not really. I, they were in grade 10 or so when I moved on to uh, IB setup school. And then I again started my journey there, also started with 8 to 10-year-olds. And yeah, so maximum time has, has been, been around this age group, I would say. Uh, you may say um, upper primary or the middle school, where a lot of uh, sometimes... What happens is the most opportunity and flexibility in terms of curriculum yeah. uh, in a national board like India has the national CBSE pattern lies there. After that, it is quite boards and children are governed by a lot of other complexities, I would say. Well, um, I want to jump in and see. I'm curious, after 17 years of teaching, uh, what your favorite or best story is from your time as a teacher. That's one of um, I would say probably the the best parts of the best teacher podcast is hearing the stories that teachers latch onto and want to share uh, as a reflection of of your time in the classroom. Yeah, so I think for me personally, when I reflect over these years, uh, or when I think of a classroom, and you know, it still fascinates me. The most important element for me has been um, the curiosity. The, and I would say the connection that I have been able to establish with my learners. And uh, so, yeah, so I was always accountable and responsible for, you know, I always had this sense of uh, accountability that, you know, these children that are here in my care, I need to be helping them out. At the same time, they are, you know, 
enabled enough to do it for themselves. Uh, from the from the student in my first year uh, who was a special children with child with special needs, I wasn't I wasn't trained to handle somebody like that. But I learned it on the you know in the process. Then there was somebody who would always feel homesick, and now I had to you know again be there and help the child in what ways. So I believe that was a the most growing phase. I evolved as a teacher. I think mm-hmm. so. Initially, I was, I became a teacher, but I, I actually evolved during these years in the practice, I would say. And the space where, where I fade away and they rise uh, has been, um, you know, a transformative experience, I might say. I think we discussed it when we were having our first meeting earlier that there was a child who really pushed me to the edge at times. And I felt, oh my God, why do I have always these tough cases in my classes or some children who who always push me to the edge and where do I get this kind of time so I also struggled with such questions and you know felt helpless at times but the only motivation has been to to going on to go on you know to to just adjust the sail with the wind and here I am today you know sharing being able to help others that yes it works <laughs> you just have to be ready it's possible so i can i can tell that it, it would be very difficult for you to choose just one story because it seems like you you've had so many great experiences mm-hmm. pushing through with children mm-hmm. that other teachers or other people might have labeled difficult um and yeah they they presented great difficult to you but it's yeah. really awesome to see your perspective now, um, having grown as a teacher and an educator, really valuing those experiences and how and, and recognizing how working through difficulties um, with a child and showing them how cared for they are um, has not just transformed them and, and their lives, but has also mm. helped you mm. become more compassionate and um, and better shaped as, as a person. And I think that of course is one of the best things of, of the profession as you uh, noted is that we we learn alongside and grow alongside our students um, and can't help but be affected by and, and encouraged by their journey of, of growth so thank you for sharing that yeah yeah it's difficult for me to pick anyone actually but uh, one of them was about uh, but I would still like to share this one yeah. child who was always would be very very silent in the class I mean so we spoke about having voice student agency you know so share your thoughts and this was a child who would be very very silent absolutely observant you would not really you know see that he's physically engaging into different things very reluctant at the same time but he he came out to be somebody who who would who actually wrote a, a book in the verse form and how this happened we were doing this unit on poetry uh, in a with our 10 year olds grade 5 and we were doing this unit on nature and you know so we were also learning about human conflicts how conflicts add on to you know creating stories uh, which can also be written in poetic forms or a verse we call it something like that so in a very simplistic manner we were doing it and this child happened to be a reader he loved to read that was his silence uh, time pursuit 
he would just have a book and would read. And he was reading this book and one day he came up to me and he asked me, Miss Shweta, is it possible that somebody who has read a book can rewrite something, but in a verse form? So is it okay if we do that? I said, yeah, because it was a classical text. You, so Homer's Odyssey and he had just you know read this one episode where this whole war happens and he goes through a personal conflict and how the character shapes up differently and he said that I want to really do something about it it's okay then let's see what comes out so there's an open space and an open opportunity he was doing for two two weeks past and he never approached me in the process but just came to ask for a little this and that time I said okay in your classes Ms. Shweta I would sit in the corner and I would write okay you are free to do so after we uh, you know complete this particular work that we have he would do it and after two weeks I was really surprised with the whole whole uh, what do you call it manuscript or um, or the whole thing that he had created it was a worse form of this classical text which was published the parent took this initiative to get it published and he came up and gifted me a copy and said you know this is what I was working upon. And thanks for saying that it is possible. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, it's such a great story to, you know, sometimes really what our students need from us is just that one little push that, that somebody that believes in them, somebody that says and points out to them that something is possible. Um, you know, sometimes students take on challenges that Honestly, if, if we asked ourselves, we're not sure that they are up for that challenge, but we're not going to uh, say that. We're going to say, well, you know, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, because the worst thing that can happen is that they learn a whole lot in the process and that yes. there's nothing bad about that, even if they don't get the outcome that they set out for. But of course, in this case, with a child, in, I mean, I'm just very impressed in general that you even read um the the odyssey by himself <laughs> without any prompting yeah obviously absolutely. a special child in that sense but uh then to go on and write it, it it again in verse form or at least a section of it that's that's awesome um is this book still available uh, i think they had a few copies printed i think it oh, okay. was available on amazon i'll still check and share yeah maybe we there. can get a, a link up uh and people can check out you know, this, and that could be a nice reminder of the story you've told and shared with sure. us. Well, the next segment of the podcast is sharing a um, sharing a tip. So this is just a really quick tip that hmm. you would give to teachers, a hint, um, some sort of thing that can be anything really that that you have found very, very useful in your um, in your life as a teacher. And in this profession, something maybe you do um, that you would recommend that other teachers do uh, because it's mm -hmm. enhanced your ability um, to do mm -hmm. well or be well. Yeah, I think um, now that you're asking me to share a few of them. So the the most important, I think, uh, tip that I would, I give it actually, I share with my teachers here is that just uh, just try to, you know, understand how a child would like to learn mm. so it not that how I want to teach it it's like it's like you you can call it empathy or mm -hmm. when when we say what is a design thinking approach it simply keeps the user in mind so when we keep the learner in mind and we try to empathize that what might be certain 
struggles that this child is having it becomes chaotic for teachers as a teacher to let it be or you know let loose of the hold that we generally have in the class but uh, the ability to trust the learners that they can deal with it and we can co-create is my biggest tip to all the teachers i mean especially the language teachers because i have had my major experience as a language teacher as well so english as a second language in our context is it doesn't come handy it has its own challenges and all of us we understand what might be the struggles but what happens over the course of the curriculum and instruction and we, you know these struggles are somewhere not visible mm. or maybe not understood in, in that sense because big time patience is required mm. and uh, all the other challenges with listening reading writing speaking that we face with our learners in our classrooms are real right. and we got to yeah so my tip is basically lead with empathy and patience that's it yeah what would you say is is a way that you have put this into practice uh, most often so when you say you know you want to know how the student wants to learn how do you usually go about finding out how they want to learn so uh what really happens is that uh, the how of it also is because the child is also here and saying that i'm here to learn tell me how do we how do i do it so when we when we uh, facilitate learning for the learner the if i give you an example it would be very simple for instance we are learning grammar or we are touching upon writing as a skill and i say that the structures are important for all of us to learn now there are methods hundreds of methods available i learn the rules by heart i create them apply them but it is it is easier said than done so to understand the child's struggle or how the child learn problem is that he hasn't properly practiced the stuff might be um, an adjective or an adverb or you know how do i place an adjective in a sentence or when i'm learning to write i'm just done i don't have words appearing if i talk about writing i don't know after five lines what do i write so then here i understand as a teacher that this child has a struggle with verb forms let me help how do i help when we do these simple practices of stretching a sentence or a sentence relay or you know do a story weave a story kind of practice in the classroom and we don't really correct them as and when they make a mistake we rather go back to that or we provide a repeated structure like for instance you say that my mother done doing work so what is it that that you are missing so if i correct you there and then you might take it a little you know in a different manner i might go back to say okay so grant is saying that my mother has done all her work or she has completed but i have provided the structure i have not corrected you but it's an open you know example of saying that this is the correct structure i mean mm -hmm. if that answers your question that's what i could think of at this moment yeah it sounds like you know what what you do is you just pay very close attention to absolutely you know, what what the student is doing how they're reacting to the methods that you're using and then you try to adjust uh, your approach based on the child's individual response and i think that that 
is something like you said, some teachers like to have, this is the way I respond, this is how I grade, this is how I teach. And we have to be really, really careful to, um, to not do that too much because every student is a unique individual that deserves a unique approach. And I think, you know, having ideas in mind and, and part of what it means to become a master teacher, part of what it means to become an experienced teacher is that you you gather a lot of different ways of approaching different uh, problems. And then you have them ready to, to pull out and use with different students as you encounter different situations and different needs. And I think um, I think that's what you're demonstrating here. So I appreciate you you sharing that. In the uh, next segment of the podcast, uh, I'm very curious to hear what is a tool that you use a lot in your teaching? And this can be something physical or something digital um, that has really enhanced your ability to be a, a great teacher. And you would recommend it to anyone that can use it to use it. <laughs> okay. So, uh yeah if i think tool is a teacher has to be very very resourceful i would say and it helps it really helps you talk about every catering learner needs differentiation so yes. you know so yeah so all that is the confidence comes in when i know that there is something that can help me so i love to use a lot of tools in my classroom mm-hmm. uh, it helps me not talk a lot but rather engage a lot so right. It equips the learners really to to create these experiences. So, so what of my favorite has been, uh, I would say, thinking routines, using them in my classroom. A lot of graphic organizers we would use. Um, we would also try to do these sort of, uh, what do you call it, book talks or learner sessions where children are going to present and share what are you learning, what how is it going. For instance, three to one is my favorite has been always which also allows the learner to use a question so three things i have observed or learned two you know facts i want to challenge or two things i think are not possible one wish i have is about this any it can reach it can be used the prompts can change customizing the need of the class but the strategy remains three to one or the tools uh, if you talk about digital tools, I love to use Padlets. I love to use uh, games, you know, in my classroom. So Flipgrid has been one of the very, very relevant, you know, tool for me and my classrooms to, uh, to be, you know, doing. It facilitates the idea of children seeing each other's work. So peer learning also happens. It's not always teacher to student. It rather can be student to student. You use Flipgrid quite a lot in your classroom. Could you explain a little bit, maybe for our listeners uh, who aren't familiar with Flipgrid, uh, how does it work and, and how is it useful for, for the classroom? Okay, so Flipgrid has, um, it's a space again, it's like Padlet is a post-it wall. Flipgrid mm-hmm. allows the video, uh, the user to record a video. Okay. So for instance, I have to take a book talk and I say, all right, here is the structure. This is how we do it. And these are the books you're reading. I would like each one of you to go home today and record yourself doing this little script that you have written for your book talk and just send it across. So the teacher would create, so it's a classroom. So Mm -hmm. when I go on flipgrid.com, I'll create a classroom, Shweta, who I am the facilitator. 
and some I'll create a class for instance um, a homeroom tutor for 5T, 7T I'll just write there and would add all the learners through their school email IDs or a class code so students can join it's like a collaborative space uh, an audio video space mm-hmm. where children uh, so all the 22 videos are at one you know point one platform all the yeah. videos and audio they're all on one page and they can all on kind of... one page okay absolutely so they can even review each other's work leave a little peer review that i like this about this you can work upon this this gives them a lot of uh, scope for self-correction mm-hmm. appreciation and you know learn from each other so i i really like it a lot especially in the language classrooms or where we have we don't really every time have an opportunity to carry out discussions in such deep and yeah Mm. yeah one of the challenges of any classroom is going to be giving every student an opportunity to share especially vocally share um, what they learned in a way that everyone because you know how it is if if you have everyone do a presentation even if every student is only taking two to three minutes it will take you three class periods to get through everyone absolutely and true, um, true. and so it sounds like Flipgrid is a really good tool for facilitating everyone having a voice and kind of getting to share uh, and all in one place, you know, because if you try to do that on Google Classroom, for example, uh, you're going to have 22 videos you have to click through. But if they're all visual on one page, I think that will be much less overwhelming for ourselves as well as our students. So I haven't personally used Flipgrid, I- but I... I will definitely check it out. So there is mm-hmm. one uh, one more section to the podcast, and I, I want to hear what you have to say. I'd actually like to, to kind of circle back to one of the strategies you've already mentioned. So we talk about strategies in the last part of the podcast, and that's instructional strategies that you use in your classroom. And ones the ones I like to talk about are the instructional strategies that you just keep using because they always deliver such great outcomes and create such a great environment of learning. So it sounds like three, two, one is one of those uh, strategies for you. Could you explain a little bit more um, how you use this particular strategy and why you like it so much? So uh, yeah, three, two, one has certainly been my favorite because uh, for the fact that I can use it anywhere, the prompts can change. Uh, even if even in my trainings with teachers I use the three things I understand two questions I have one Mm. way I can figure out the kind of help I need or one peer you know who can help me clear those doubts that are there so it's very enabling to me and I can always tweak and I actually I learn to use things in different contexts so five four three two one a little deeper engagement or three to one is something that I just shared that if I'm in a classroom, I'll say, okay, today we did a lesson on, you know, how do we write, what do you say, a critiquing as a skill. Now mm-hmm. tell me as a, as an exit strategy, I can use three to one. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So in your, in your groups or in your pairs of two, I would like each of us to share three things I have understood about critiquing as a skill two ways I can use this skill and, you know, improvise uh, my writing skill. And one question that I still have, and I would like my teacher to address. So 
children they, they talk in their groups and one question that they're writing they can use a post-it and put it at the you know on the wall at the end of the class so this saves time enables conversations helps me understand where is, where is the you know required support for my next class so I think this is how I use it and uh, yeah, I have seen increased engagement with my learners also. If if thinking, if we give a little clear, clear way of how to do things there uh, or a way of organizing our thoughts, I think it, it, it helps the learners and the teacher as well too. I definitely can see how, you know, giving giving students definite numbers on things is is always good mm -hmm. like when we create rubrics and such we don't want to say um, include complex sentences in your writing we want to say how many right mm -hmm. um, how many are we looking for include at least five complex sentences okay now this feels doable now this yeah. feels um, like they know what we're looking for and um, I've even seen you know oftentimes I love that you use the exit uh, strategy as your example because oftentimes we say well does anyone have any questions and mm. it's just crickets you know nobody answers nobody says anything but if you say yeah. okay everyone give me one question uh yeah. then everyone will give you a question right um and it yeah. turns out they did have a question but for some reason when you tell them all right you, you've got this expectation and you give them a definite number um mm -hmm. they are much more likely to to respond and so I really like this strategy for that reason uh, alongside yeah. the others you know yeah yeah in fact in fact to help this there's also one way we say clear and cloudy so we put two charts in the classroom and we say okay what's clear to me and what's still cloudy is oh, a way again good. to look at it that's even yeah. quicker <laughs> yeah yeah what's still clear what's still cloudy i like that yeah. well Shveta, um i want to thank you so much for coming on today unfortunately we, we're out of time um, but I'd love to speak with you again. If anyone wants to reach out to you and learn more about the things you talked about today or learn from you, talk with you, um, is your contact information available or is LinkedIn the best place to, to get in contact with you? Uh, uh, yeah, I think I would love to hear uh, and would love to offer insights and the work that I'm doing if it really helps others. So you can, I'm available on LinkedIn and uh, it has also my email ID and the contact number. So feel free to reach out at any point or write to me if that email can be shared. I think that will be helpful for people. Yeah, to reach I'll put out. it in the description for um, yeah. for the show and then people can reach out to you. Um, thank yeah. you again for coming on, Shveta. It's always wonderful talking with you. Wonderful. Thank you, Grant, for the opportunity. Thank yeah. you so much. You'll find links to all the resources mentioned in the show notes today, including contact info for our guest. If you or someone that you know is a teacher and would like to be a guest on our show, or if you have any comments or suggestions for us, you can send us a message at bestteacherpod at gmail.com. If you like today's show, make sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you are listening to this and recommend the show to any other teachers in your life. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of The Best Teacher.